meditation is the recipe. I just gotta take my time. I just gotta take my time. I just gotta take my time. What's up, guys? Welcome again to the next episode of the Christian Athlete Paradox. If this is your first time, I'm so glad you guys clicked on this, and hopefully this blesses you in some way, shape, or form. If this is not your first time, I'm so glad you guys are back. You probably clicked on this and you're like, oh, what's he going to talk about today? Guys, I'm a little nervous to talk about this one, to be completely honest. I've wanted to talk about this for a long time, alcohol and partying. And uh, the whole purpose and premise of this podcast is the fact that athletics and Christianity don't always seem to mesh. And when I first got to college, I was kind of lost. I didn't understand how God was supposed to work through what I did both on the field and off the field. And so my purpose today with this podcast is we, we talk about how to biblically navigate college athletics. And unfortunately, alcohol is a part of it. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but I think every athlete in college or most athletes in college have at some point in their, their career come to face with the choice whether to drink or not drink or the choice to go to this party or not go to this party. And so the church doesn't always seem to talk about this. And they don't address it in detail. Obviously, I'm not a pastor and certainly don't have the right to say that I know everything about the Bible or that I should be the one to speak on this. But guys, it's not talked about. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to put the time in to understand what the Bible has to say. I've been around for too long in college athletics. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and talk about this. And so there doesn't seem to be a common viewpoint that's been taken from Christians specifically pertaining to the world of athletics on how should a Christian go about navigating a party or whether or not to drink. And that's a really difficult thing. It seems to be so prevalent. It's always around. Um, and so it has so many questions. And so I'm going to take a crack at this and we're going to go through and you might disagree with me and that's okay, but I'm going to try to pr provide biblical evidence to support the stance that I have and why I have come to this conclusion on alcohol. But the purpose of the podcast ultimately guys is to have conversation. And so, yes, okay. I'm doing this podcast alone today, simply from the perspective that I wanted to stay as biblically sound as possible on it. I didn't want to potentially go off on a, another route. I, I wanted to be laser focused on what the Bible actually says about alcohol, partying, and how we as Christians are supposed to shine his light into the world, no matter where we are. And so when I first got to college, guys, I, I didn't know a thing. I'll be the first one to admit it. Like I was fully taken aback and fully caught off guard. Uh, but there were so many new scenarios that seemed to pop up that I never thought about before. All of a sudden, like literally my first week at college, there was a party and then hookup culture is right in your face. Everyone seems to be chasing these insignificant and these momentary pleasures and as a freshman on a college campus for the first time you're like well I just want to fit in I want to be with my teammates and but you know God calls me to this but my teammates are doing that and you know what do I do and so if we're called to live differently as Christians I can officially say that I was severely underprepared for what the Bible had to actually say about living out my faith but guys not only does the Bible have things to say about it but it's pretty clear and so today's episode, you know, it, it may not be the most fun to hear. And I am not condemning you. I am not perfect. I am a hypocrite in so many different areas. And so this is not me condemning you. But if something does kind of stick out, you know, maybe that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so 
that's who I want to guide this conversation is the Holy Spirit. I want God's word. You know, the Bible says that God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword. And so that's what I want today's topic to really focus on is the word of God. So today I am going to share some of my own views because I do believe that they're rooted in scripture, but ultimately that's what has to guide us. And so we are going to go into the Bible and dig in. Like I said, I want to talk about my first experience. So I didn't grow up in a family that drank and I'll be honest, guys, I've never drank now. And so right off the bat, that may nullify me for you listening to me. And if that's fine, okay, like there's nothing I can do about that. But I didn't grow up in a family that drank. I didn't grow up in an overly social household, meaning that I wasn't exposed to a party lifestyle or a people, an environment where people drank socially. Um, and I didn't really hang out with the crowd in high school where it was prevalent. And so my first exposure to anything that resembled a college party was at college. And I'm not going to lie, guys, it didn't take me more than a couple of days to be exposed to it. My, my first impression when I got went to this party was you know, simply of drinking was, and from being raised in the church was that it was wrong. I was like, that is wrong. Like alcohol, no, not good. And having been around it, I just didn't understand it. And so I think I, I had to call out what was true and what was false and had to really dig into the Bible to understand as a Christian and now as an athlete, how am I supposed to navigate? How do I deal with this? How do I love my teammates? How do I honor God with my actions? How, how do I do this? And so I think in order to understand what the Bible says about this, we have to make sure that we're asking the right questions. I hear so many people who talk about God and Christianity. They are so taken aback by him because they think that Christianity and God set up this moral code of actions that we're to follow. And so it's like this, what can I do and what can't I do? But I think it's misguided because that's not what a relationship with God is. A relationship with God is just that. It is a relationship where he is trying to know us better and we are trying to know him better and we're trying to honor each other. And God honors us with, frankly, what he did on the cross for us. But how we honor him too reflects is, is based off of our actions as well as our faith. And so the first and foremost thing that you and I have to agree on is that we are full of sin. At our innermost being, we are sinful. And God being so holy and so righteous we cannot attain salvation based on our own righteousness. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, there is no one righteous, not even one. And so if you think that you're going to heaven based on your goodness and your goodness alone, then you are mistaken. You cannot attain salvation based on your righteousness alone. But we know that the Bible also says that by faith, we are justified, meaning that by our faith alone, we are made right with God. Romans 3 and 4 talks about this a lot. And guys, we're going we're gonna to go into Romans today and it's going to be awesome. Like we're going to jump around everywhere. Romans is packed. But in Romans 3 and 4, Paul talks about this by faith, we are justified a lot. And what Paul is essentially saying is that we are justified and made right with God by our faith, but yet that our faith also produces works. Matthew seven sixteen says that by their fruit, you will recognize them. What that means is that as Christians, our lives will look differently so that we are recognized and proclaimed as followers of Christ by what we do, not just by our faith alone. And so, so we don't live under this moral law of do this or don't do that. The Bible says that our faith should produce our works, meaning that if we have faith, then that's what guides our actions. It's not the Bible that says do this, don't do that. And so, I think we oftentimes get this misinterpreted too because we think of the Bible as the law and there is the law and it's in the Old Testament. 
The Old Testament was before Jesus came. And before Jesus came, God didn't dwell on earth. God was holy, 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 and meaning that we couldn't go directly to God. And so there had to be some way to be made right with God. And so that was where the Old Testament law comes from. But when Jesus came and he lived the perfect life and he died on the cross for our sins, what Jesus did by dying on the cross was he abolished that law. So what does that have to do with going to a party or having a few drinks? Well, now because of what Jesus did on the cross and by abolishing the Old Testament law, we now live under the new covenant, which is freedom in Christ. And so 1 Corinthians says that we now have this freedom, but 1 Corinthians 10, 23, and 24 says that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others, end quote. Oftentimes when we read this Old Testament, we think of this do's and don'ts, like I mentioned, but 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. And like I said, when Christ came to earth, he abolished this. And so the days that were defined of what they could eat and what they could drink and all of these rituals, they were put in place so in a sacrificial sense, they could be, you know, air quotes, made right with God. But then when Jesus died on the cross, there was no need for that anymore because Jesus was the perfect lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice for us. And while he was on the cross, he took the sins of you, I, and all the sins of the world that have been, ever will be, um, or ever was. And he took the place of that. And so that's really important that we understand that it's by Jesus and what he did on the cross that we have the freedom in Christ to then do what we want. And so when I say do what we want, I don't mean we can go just live like Jesus doesn't matter, but I mean that there's freedom to honor God with the choices that we make. And so I know this seems probably a little preachy, like, or like I'm condemning without even knowing your story. I promise I'm not just, just hang in with me here. Like I said, we're going to hit home in Romans today and we're going to jump around a little bit, but we need to establish some baselines of what does it mean and what does the Bible actually say about drinking? Well, first we're going to start with anyone who's underage. Romans 13.1 says this, that everyone must submit himself to the governing authority for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And so the obvious caveat to this that I'll point out right away is that when the government implements rules that violate our ability to worship or go against God's word, then God's words obviously takes precedence. But in this case, the law that has been made is that the legal drinking age is 21. And so this doesn't violate God's word. And so to honor this law means to honor God. And so continuing in Romans 13, 2, it says that consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment upon themselves. And so exactly what I'm saying here is that to honor God means to honor the law of the land, which means that if the laws say that we can't drink until we're 21, then we can't drink until we're 21. And, and by honoring that, we're honoring God. So, okay, now you're sitting here saying to me, okay, Ryan, I'm 21 now. Like, am I good now? Well, let's keep going. <laughs> I think the next thing to take into consideration is that the Bible talks a lot about being of sober mind. And now you're like, oh, no, that means I can't. Well, depends how you look at it. So Ephesians 5.18 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Similarly, Proverbs 21 says, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. And the Bible goes on, like I said, to talk a lot about being of sober mind. And we can obviously see that getting drunk is a sin. So now you're sitting here thinking, right, Ryan, I'm over 21. I'm not getting drunk. 
all I want to do is go have a drink or two with friends. And this is kind of what God has taught me over the course of my time in college is that in everything we do, the posture of our hearts is so important. We can hide a lot from each other. We can pretend to put up a mask and think things are good and, you know, go to church on Sundays and worship God. But ultimately at the end of the day, guys, like God knows our heart. He knows our thoughts. We, we can't hide from him. Adam and Eve in the garden, like they could not hide from God. And we do, we fall short. And I think in order to understand and, and to get in a right posture with God, we have to know who God is, is that God is so worthy of our praise in everything we do. And so we have to ask ourselves the question of, am I pushing the limits of what God allows and what God desires for me? God wants the best for us too. Yes, he deserves all the honor, glory, and praise, but he wants the best for us. And so am I enjoying the freedoms he gives me in a way that glorifies him? Or am I enjoying the freedoms he gives me to enjoy them for myself? And I think there's a subtle difference there. And honestly, guys, the only person that can answer that is you. And so the way I look at it is if you're having a few drinks and you get right up to the line of being drunk, then maybe your heart posture is more focused on yourself and your own desires. Um, you know, ultimately, who is at the center of your decisions? But I also think God can use many circumstances to glorify himself. Can you go to a happy hour and have a drink and start a conversation about God? Absolutely. The gospel is not one-dimensional. And that's where I think the church does not a great job of talking about this, is that the gospel isn't one-dimensional. And if that's a way that you can go glorify God in that, then go do it. You know, and we'll get to this a little bit later in Romans where it talks about, do you need it to go do that? Can you have that same conversation at a happy hour without drinking? Maybe. But if that makes more people more comfortable to talk and you're okay with it by your faith, then then do it. There's there's a, a certain legalism that I think we can bring in. And ultimately, it comes back to the posture of our heart is, are you glorifying God or are you subtly glorifying yourself, but hiding still under the guise of glorifying God? Ultimately, guys, we're accountable for our actions. And if we're not, if we're talking about God at a happy hour on Thursday and then we're trashed at a football game on Sunday, is that really representing Christ well? And don't, don't get me wrong, 100% always there is grace for when we fail. But Paul in Romans also asks a really good question. He says in Romans 5.20, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And so we're like, all right, cool. Like if I, if I sin, the grace is, is there to cover me. And it is 100%. But A couple verses later, it goes on to say, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? And so just because we have grace, we aren't to abuse God's grace. God is merciful to those who love him. But going back to the posture of our hearts, we're just not fooling him with when we choose to abuse his grace. God is calling you to a higher purpose and to stop sitting on the sidelines or teetering on the fence but he's, he's calling you and he's, he's giving you this platform, you know, specifically within athletics to bring him honor and glory and praise to his name. And guys, don't abuse that. God has gifted you and blessed you by the life that you live. And we can do so much good by simply being bold for the gospel. And I think alcohol has a tendency to get in the way. I'm not saying don't use it, but how can we use it in a manner that glorifies God? And so the one passage that I really want to want to touch on, and like I mentioned, it's in Romans, but it's Romans 14. And I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then I'll break it down. Um, I'm going to read it in a couple parts, but Romans 14, 1 through 7 says this, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. 
One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another, and another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. And so right here, if we stop, we see that Paul is saying, stop judging one another for what they do. If a man sees it as right and it's honoring to God, don't stand in the way of that. But like I said, this also goes back to our heart posture. How do you read this? Do you view having a drink as honoring God? Or are you subtly slipping in your own desire and hiding behind the air quotes, I honor God through it? It's so subtle, guys. Like ultimately, the only person that can answer that is you. But God knows your heart. Like, is there a way to do it that honors him? Yeah, absolutely. But how? How are you using it? If we continue on in verse 9, it says, For this very reason Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both, the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, and every tongue will confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. As one who is in the Lord Jesus, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. Let me read that again. As one who is in the Lord, this is Paul speaking, I am fully convinced that no food is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy your brother for whom Christ died. Do not allow what you consider good to be spoken of as evil. Guys, we live together as a body of believers, and we need to. We have to. And I think the American church at times fails in this, that we are a body of believers, and therefore what my actions do affect you, and what your actions do affect someone else. And so to be a follower of Christ means to put Christ above ourselves. Our goal should be to love God first and foremost, and then to love others. And sometimes we mix up that order, but loving God and then loving others. And so the second step of this is that to love others sometimes means putting on hold what we want. And that to be able to watch out for our brother and sister in Christ may mean that they're still maturing in their faith. And we all have maturing to do, but they're still maturing in their faith in this aspect. And so by you having a drink or you simply even having a drink in your hand, maybe that's causing them to stumble. And so it takes reading the Bible and not just thinking about it on my own life, but looking to someone else's and how, how is what I'm doing affecting them too? I think this is an often missed passage in the Bible because I honestly, it was hard for me to even read it when I first found it. But our faith is no longer a free-for-all where we only look out for ourselves. How we love those around us can be directly linked to our actions. And so, like I said, guys, I've said it multiple times, I don't drink, but there's been multiple times where I've, I've thought about it because I know I have that freedom. But whenever I think about having one, my question then goes to, okay, who's going to be affected by what I do? And I wish I thought about this in, in all of the areas of my life. Uh, and there's still a lot of work to be done. But specifically here, my question comes to, okay, if I'm out at a bar with my friends, 
and someone sees me with a drink, you know, maybe it's a teammate, maybe it's someone I don't know, maybe I don't know who it is, but guys, I might only be having one drink. I might be sober. I'm, I'm, I'm handling it responsibly, but someone looks at me and assumes, oh, Ryan's a Christian and he's getting drunk. It must be okay. So I can too. Guys, I haven't done anything inherently wrong. I'm not getting drunk. And maybe that person should come up and talk to me, but I'm now accountable for that because of the perception that I give. And you might be saying, that's crazy. If they had just asked you or, or they talked to you, they would know you're not drunk or barely even drinking. But how many times have you shown up to a party and I hate to say it, but like people who are intoxicated tend to not think logically all the time. And an example of that, guys, when I show up to a party and I go to give people a ride home, I get asked all the time, are you, are you okay? Are you, are you sure you're okay to drive? And I'm like, I literally just showed up like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. But like I said, guys, people assume something without ever taking in all the facts. And so we see here in Romans that Paul is saying, I am fully convinced that no food in itself is unclean. I think I think you can take this to say drinks too, meaning that God has given me and you the freedom in Christ to eat and drink what we choose. But verse 14 and 15 says that, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for him it is unclean. If your brother is distressed because of what you eat or drink, you are no longer acting in love. And I think we often lose this. Like guys, like I think we get so focused inward on, on how, how my faith looks to myself that we forget to, how is my faith affecting others? And so, yes, going back to the example of being at the bar, yes, I can only control someone's perception of how I'm acting to a certain extent. If I'm there to pick up a teammate that needs a ride home and that's going to keep them safe, then yes, that's a good thing. And if someone's perception of me says, well, why were you at the party? What were you doing there? Well, you're right. I can't control that. And I know that I'm doing a good thing. So we can't let this fear of perception cripple us, but I think it's still something that we as Christians need to be aware of, of how do our actions directly affect someone else. And so I want to end on this in Romans 14 through 17, because I, I, I think it's a, a really important piece is that for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. And so you guys, you might disagree with my interpretation of this, and that's okay. But I think if we come back to Romans 14, 17, we see that the, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. And so ultimately, our goal and our, our role as Christians is to go to Christ first. And how can I glorify God in what I do every single day? And in athletics, we see that a lot of alcohol comes into the picture. And so you might disagree with me about what, how I said this or what I said, and, and that's okay. Let's have a conversation about this because I think we should, and I think we need to because it's not talked about enough. And so that's what this podcast is, is a way to have a conversation and to stir up a conversation that ultimately comes back to the Bible and what God requires of us. I pray that conversations like these, we can find the truth. And I pray that our conversations continue to glorify God and that he's building up a strong community of Christian athletes around the country and around the world that, guys, we're willing to put aside our selfish ambition and ultimately seek Christ first. And so I pray that my actions and your actions, that we don't impede our teammates and those who are trying to go to God, that ultimately all that we can do is be a good reflection of Jesus and see him for who he really is and the goodness of a, a true love relationship with him. Okay, so that's alcohol. 
we also know the other part of that is is going to a party. And again, guys, I don't think this is a clear cut and dry scenario. And I think that this is a conversation that needs to happen too. And like I said, it's still not talked about enough. When I first got on campus, the first question I asked was, uh, as a believer, like, should I even go to parties? And I think I grew up in this legalistic mindset that no, no, can't go to party, party bad, party evil. And there's definitely some bad things that go on at parties and definitely some evil there. But I don't want to get caught up in the legalistic thoughts of it either. I, I want to ultimately go straight through that to Christ and what Christ wants for me. And so how do you represent the party that you're going to? I, ultimately, I came to the impression that, no, I think I want to be with my teammates. God calls me to be present. And so I, I'm going to go. But how are you representing the party that you're at? When we go back to that question of, as a believer, should I even go to parties? Um, I think we have to go back to look at how Jesus interacted with people. Guys, he had dinner with prostitutes and no one thought he was drunk or that he was those things. No one other than the Pharisees, but that's a completely different story. But it's because of the life that he lived every day that was living proof of who he was. And so ultimately, that's what I want to strive to be is that can I be that same reflection that, that my life is a living proof that I'm not at that party partying, I'm at that party serving and I'm at that party loving my teammates in a way that's countercultural to everything the world wants to tell us. And so I think it goes back to this impression of, of are we there as believers to, to serve our teammates? Can we serve them by being there? And I think that we can, but again, you might disagree and that's okay, but how can we serve our teammates by being there? For me, one of the major experiences that I, I did, guys, was I gave rides all the time, whether it was because I wanted to save them an Uber ride or because it was a way to play Christian music in the car or just simply be there and like be able to show that I was there for them. Um, I think it's a, a difficult balance to love those that you're around, but also not support it. Um, but we're not called to judge either. We're not their judge. Um, ultimately God is that. And so there's a delicate balance. And I think it's a line that we constantly have to go back to the word of God to figure out of, God, how am I doing with this? Am I honoring you with my actions? And so ultimately, if I'm giving someone a ride, like my job is not to condemn them. I am not their judge. And ultimately, if the time comes for the Holy Spirit to convict them, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. That is, that is not something that I can do myself. And so being present, I think, is the most underrated part of spreading the gospel. Because if I'm not present, how can I speak life? The gospel is so relational. I cannot show up once a week and speak life. For example, if my teammates have no concept that I care about them and all they think they do, that I'm doing is preaching at them, then the gospel then becomes ineffective because the gospel is relational. Jesus came and he, he loves us. His love is seen for us when he died on the cross. And I, I think we have to remember that. I want to ultimately live a life that's so bold for the gospel but yet so loving. And I, there's, there's, again, a delicate balance of speaking truth and love. And I don't want to off-put people by my actions and my, by my words that they think that I'm judging them because I'm not. It's not my role. Um, but ultimately, by being there and being present, maybe it leads them to ask questions about, huh, why is he doing what he's doing? That's, that's loving differently than the way the world says that love should look. And so for me... If I can get someone to ask the question of, okay, Ryan, why do you do what you do? I'm not perfect at it and, and I, I won't claim to be, but 
that is my goal of, can I get someone to ask the question of why do you do what you do? And so the flip side of this guys too, is there's always a catch and every party I've ever been to, there's a hundred percent of the time of the night that if things get out of hand, it is time for me to leave. And that's okay. That is okay. But there's some small things that I try to do that maybe can help you as you leave or if you're there. So the first thing I do is honestly, before the party, I send my number in the team group chat to make sure everyone has it and that they can reach me if they need it. And sometimes that means I sleep with my ringer on. So if I'm asleep while the party's still going, someone can still call me. But before I leave, one of the things that I do is I I physically go around and dap up my teammates and, and say like, Hey man, I'm leaving. Like if you need something, call me, like I got my ringer on. And it's something small that they know I was there. They know if they need me, they got me. Um, and so I think that's a, just something tangible that we can do. I think as Christians, and one of the things that I've found is we find that deep relationships are often built on intimate conversations with the Lord and, and about the Lord. And if you've ever been to a party, you know that those don't always really happen there. But I can't tell you how many times a conversation has been sparked by me being at a party and someone going, hey, why aren't you drinking? Or offering me a drink and me saying, no, I'm okay. Thank you, though. Not in a not in a judgmental way, but just, no, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm having fun. Um, and sometimes, and so by me denying that drink, it's just like, no, I'm good. And the, then they lead the question of, well, what do you mean you're good? It sparks conversation that ultimately points back to Christ. And I think another part of that too, guys, by being present is I can tell you that there's a lot of people that are in the party and social scene that do not want to be there. There's a lot of introverts. There's a lot of extroverts that Sometimes the guys, they don't want to party, but there's the peer pressure of, no, we're going out, so you're coming. And sometimes by me being there or you being there, if you're not drinking or simply by being there and being present, it now provides them a way out. And I think that's a really underrated characteristics that we forget is that sometimes all people want is a way out. And so look at it from their perspective, or maybe this is you and you're in this stage of maybe you're worried to stand alone. And I think guys, there are times as Christians that we're called to stand alone, but that doesn't mean that it's not a hard thing to do. It absolutely is a hard thing to do. And going against culture and going against that peer pressure to drink can be super difficult. And so if my being there allows someone else to say, no, Ryan's going to go over here. I'm going to not drink with him. Just, you know, I'm going to go talk with him. And I think that's a, an awesome thing to do if you can do it. But we're not made to do this on our own, whether you're trying to get out of it or you're going to the party by yourself. See if you can find someone to walk with. See if you can invite one of your friends to go to a party with you and just have another believer around. It makes the party more enjoyable for you. Now you're pulling other people into your conversation because we already know conversations like that don't normally happen there. But also too, guys, like the more people that are present and just by you being present, I can't tell you how many conversations are stirred the next day because they remember that you were there. They may not remember all the details or they may not remember that you had a conversation with them, but a lot of times they remember that you were there and they remember that it was different. And that's when intentional conversations can happen of, we can always spark conversation and turn it back to the Lord. And I need to throw in the caveat to this because as much as they remember you being there and as much as being present can have its benefits and I believe that it's a really good thing, there are still other ways for us to be present without necessarily being at a party that we don't feel comfortable with. And so for Christians who don't feel the need to go, then don't go. I guess I need to add to and clarify that I do not go to a party every single week. It is 
once, maybe twice a semester. And it, it's picking and choosing the right time that I think I can be most effective in it. If, if it's a big party, if it's a big planned event, um, then I'll try and go. But as a believer and as an athlete in myself, like there are so many downsides to going to a party from a spiritual perspective, from a physical perspective, even starting with the physical perspective, if you're an athlete, like so many studies have come out and showed that we need sleep and parties usually happen at night. And so a lot of times I just want to be in bed. And so there is nothing wrong with saying, nope, I'm going to go to sleep. But the other side of that too is being around an environment like that, especially if you're having to stand alone, can be so spiritually draining. And so maybe it's seeking a way to pull people out of that environment and into your own environment that has the potential to speak life rather than to drain you. You know, I talked about having someone to be at the party with by yourself. Okay, maybe that's not the way to go about it. Maybe the way to go about it is to invite a small group of people over to then have that intimate conversation and build those relationships with. And so sometimes the best thing that we can do for our teammates is simply to not be there and to not encourage it. And so, like I said, there's not this clear cut and dry, one size fits all way to go about this. There are so many different ways that we can speak life and we should speak life. And so maybe it's being at a party one time, maybe it's not, maybe it's uh, abstaining altogether, whatever it is, do it for the glory of God and make God the center of your focus. And I believe that he will reward that with those conversations, as long as we remember to put him at the center of it. I want to close this episode, but to close like... The paradox that we face every day is hard, but God gives us the ability to walk through it confidently and freely, and he never leaves us with more than we can't handle. When, when we come into a situation that feels like our backs are up against the wall, like God always provides a way out. And so our purpose and our platform, we want to speak and we want to proclaim the name of Jesus in everything that we do. And what happened on the cross 2,000 years ago is still good news today. And so encourage one another, build one another up and love those who are still figuring it out. Aren't we all? But most of all, guys, pray for them. God has such a cool way of opening up doors for conversations simply because of a prayer we chose to pray. Okay, so we've talked about alcohol. We've talked about partying. Like I said, I don't have it all figured out and I'm still maturing. I'm still figuring it out. But I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with guys Christians and non-Christians alike, that there's confusion over what does God want from me and how do I go to God and not only be justified by my faith, but how now do I have my works reflect my faith? How do I give God the glory based off of my actions too? And so let's go back to that Romans 14, 17 says that for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Go check out Romans 14, read it for yourself, pray on it, and let God, like, God speaks to us through his word. And I can't encourage enough that being in the word allows us to understand God's will for our lives. Guys, I will say this, God gives us these freedoms and used in the right context, alcohol is not evil, nor is a party. God encourages fellowship. But now, as a body of believers banding together, how can we make a wave on our campuses where God is glorified in the midst of all of this. Guys, I hope today's message and hope today's conversation encourages you and, and pushes you closer to God in your walk. There is grace for when we fail. There is clarity for when we're confused. But 
ultimately that comes from understanding that God is at the center of all of this and let's go to him first and not get caught up in the do's and don'ts of a religion, but rather go to have a relationship with Christ. Keep fighting the paradox. I hope you guys have enjoyed this message. Share this with your friends. Let's make the paradox not a paradox anymore and show that Christianity and athletics actually do go together because God allows it to go together. We love you guys. I hope you guys um, have a great week. If you guys need anything, be sure to reach me on the Instagram, Christian Athlete Paradox. And as always, guys, go Hokies. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Make sure you share it. Uh, Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music. Leave a review. This helps the podcast get noticed so more people can hear the good news. Also, if you could help me out, I'm upgrading software to add video capabilities, some more sound quality, and all for the purpose of getting more content out faster. So I just launched a new merchandise line. The link is in the bio and on the Instagram, Christian Athlete Paradox. Go pick up a shirt, a sweatshirt, and rock the new logo, as well as helping to support the program with all of the proceeds going back into the production. Thank you guys so much. I can't wait to see you guys back here next time on the next episode of the Christian Athlete Paradox. See you guys.